0: Today we're talking about circling your need in prayer. We've been talking about drawing the circle around needs in prayer. And we're coming to the story in the Bible where they did just that, the walls of Jericho. They marched around, literally, did a circle around the walls of Jericho. Did you ever feel like the task that God had set before you was too difficult or too great? That there was no way you could accomplish it? We're going to look at a story today where they walked up to a city that was so fortified, it seemed like there was no way to get in. And yet God had called them to that exact place at that exact moment, the place of battle. He had led them there. They must have thought, how are we going to get this one done? It doesn't look too easy. But God provides a way when He guides us and He gets it done. And we're going to talk about that today as we look at this story, how He wants to bless you, lead you to a place where He wants to do great things through you and accomplish things for His glory. The first thing I see in here is this. Believing is seeing. We in America have this term that seeing is believing. You show me, and then I'll believe. And we unconsciously tell God, God, you show me how this is going to work. You provide, you give all the provisions, show everything up front, and then I'll step into it. But that's not the way it works. Hardly ever is that the way it works. God usually asks us to step out first, and then he shows us. Here it is in Joshua 6.1. Jericho, now, Jericho was tightly shut up. Because, the Isra- because of the Israelites, no one went out and no one came in. So they're in this fortified city. Verse 2. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've delivered Jericho into your hands. Well, you look at it and it's not delivered, but God said see. He said see before it happened. Somehow, we have to have enough faith to believe God that when he says something's going to happen, we can see it and move towards it as these people did in this passage. See, I've delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. Seeing is believing is what we say, but God says believe and you will see. This reminds me of a story that happened, just just some happenings in my life when I was a young man. I I was 26 years old when I became the district youth director for the Assemblies of God in the state of Oregon, 208 churches all across the state in charge of youth convention, youth pastor training, youth camps, 34 events a year at that time. And about 10,000 people participated in those events. And it was a bit much for a 26 year old, but when I stepped into it, I felt the Lord starting to speak to me about something that this great network of churches had never done before. And I'm 26, and I felt like He was saying, I want to reach out to the high school and middle school campuses. So I started praying about that. Then I started sharing with some of the youth pastor friends that were around me that were helping me pull off these events, right? We were doing it together. Then eventually, I went to the people who were really good at high school ministry. I only knew of one in the nation. His name was Keith Elder in Montana. As I talked about it, people started saying to me, oh, campus ministry, that won't work here in Oregon. We're the most liberal state in all of the United States, which, by the way, I do not believe. I do not believe that we're the least church state in the union. That, is, that comes out of a barner research uh, that happened 20 years ago that did not even include evangelical churches. It didn't even have all the numbers in play. So I don't believe that. Uh, I believe it's easy for people to come to Jesus in Oregon, as easy as it is anywhere. It's just a matter of people stepping up and loving and going the direction that God says to go, and we can become intimidated by even statistics and uh, say, well, you know, after all, it doesn't work here. And that's what they were telling me. It doesn't work here. Well, believe me, I, I'd never done it before, and so those things, they put a little fear in me, but the more we prayed, the more we felt like God was saying go. So We started we had a youth convention with nearly 2,000 kids that were in it. And we called all of them forward after a sermon that Donnie Moore did. This was 25 years ago. We called them forward, and we told them we wanted them to be campus missionaries. We told them how they could start uh, Bible clubs in their school, as long as it was still true, as long as it's student-initiated and student-led, you can start, a, uh, uh, and they have clubs in their school already, you can start a Christian club, and it's totally legal and Jesus' stuff can go on on the campus right now. People don't know that, but totally true. It's also true, we have a class release time right now at Tualatin Elementary School where we have 30 or more children whose parents can sign a form that releases them. It's called class release time. And right now, we're doing this at Tualatin Elementary School where some ladies are doing amazing work, and there's 30 or 40 kids that will gather to hear about Jesus during school because their parents gave me prayers. All this is totally legal, but Christians, we tend to talk about what we can't do. Yeah, let's thank the Lord for that. Mm. But if we're not careful, I should say, we tend to talk about what we can't do instead of what's possible, right? And, and, and then the people that are doing it, you, you know, I remember someone said to Donnie Moore, I don't like the way that you reach out to high schools. Donnie said, well, how would you do it? And they go, well, I don't do it. And Donnie said, well, I like the way I, I'm doing it better than the way you're not doing it. And I, I, mean, I mean, come on, give me some faith and let's get some feet moving, right? And, and, and um, so, so we told these 300 that came forward. You can do it, and we equipped them and we put some things in their hand. They went back and they did it. In the next couple of years, fifty, over fifty clubs rose up in Oregon, in high schools, public high schools. And not only that, we started doing assemblies across the state where we brought in people like Donnie Moore and Dave Reaver and Keith Kraft, some of the best in the nation. They would talk about self-esteem and drugs and alcohol and and, and they'd do anything they could to help the schools because we were always there to serve. We didn't talk about Jesus in the assembly. But at night, almost every time when the assembly came off, it was so dynamic and so amazing. I remember I went to one of them and they said, well, I hope you're good this week because the governor was here last week. Well, I bet he was really interesting to high school students, you know. The truth is he wasn't at all. But our guys came in and hit it out of the park because they have this Jesus and the Spirit thing going on and a great message and they're ready. And Damian Lillard was just at Wilsonville High School. It wasn't near as dynamic as Donnie Moore the week before. That's the report that people are saying. And I like Damian Lillard. He's a believer. And by the way, lots of Christians on the Blazers this year. Pray for him. The Lord's up to something there. All right? Uh, yeah, and there's, there's a little game going on today, too, I heard, right? <laughs> I want to say something about the Seahawks, but you Niner fans are brutal, man. <laughs> just de- de- defriend me on Facebook. I, I, come on, it's just a game. We're just playing. We're just talking. But anyway. <laughs> so, so we go, we go to, um, to these high schools, and here's what happened. Over 200 assemblies in four years that happened in America. Or happened in Oregon, rather. And you, you're not gonna believe this. People said it couldn't happen. 3,000 students gave their hearts to Jesus Christ through those years. In the evening meetings. We had meetings where we would gather in the evening with hundreds and even over a thousand in some communities. In one community in Pendleton, Oregon. We had the assembly and the evening meeting and 1,500 people came out in Pendleton. And at the altar call, over 300 people came to receive Christ. Not just students, but parents as well. Some of them getting their lives right with God because they hadn't walked with Him right when they knew better. It's unbelievable what the Lord did. The next week, I got a call from that youth pastor, and I thought when he initially started that he was talking only about the fact that we came and we had impact. But he said, I want to thank you for coming last week. What we would do is we would pay half. You say, how do you get the money? I find there's no shortage of money if you're on what God wants you to do. That's what I find. That you have to have faith to go ask people to help, but they want to build the kingdom. And if it's just for the kingdom and not for you, you don't have to be shy. That's what I found. And so people pitched in. We got the help we needed. We had the community, the churches in the community raised the other half. The schools paid nothing. We gave it to them. As, and, and God did amazing things. By the way, Pastor Doug oversaw some of those assemblies uh, it, back then, and it was incredible what God did here in this community. Well, not only did this guy say thanks for coming. He said, you came to Pendleton last week. Thanks, there's been a great impact. But he said, I want you to know that last night a young man who was a basketball player was driving home, his car flipped in the snow, and he died. But he was one of the ones that walked up to the altar last week and gave his heart to Jesus Christ. You say, why would you sacrifice like that? Why would you make that your cause? Because when you love Jesus and the Holy Spirit gets a hold of your life, you'll find the heartbeat of God. I'm going to tell it to you right now. Souls, souls, souls. He he came that all might be saved. And I said that story in the spirit of Draw the Circle where I'm reading stories of faith, and I remember, listen, why do I believe God can do it? Because I've slain the bear in Jesus' name. I've slain the lion in God's name. And the giant here at Horizon, there's a lot more to do. The giant's going down too. When we read these stories of faith and see what God has done in other places, when we tell our stories about what God has done, we remember how great He is. I couldn't have accomplished that. People were right. It shouldn't have happened in Oregon. But when God's in it, stuff happens. And He will lead us. And you know why He chooses young people often? We're choosing young people around here as part of our team. It's on purpose, we did it on purpose. We're just a bunch of old codgers, the staff, and we need, we need to, some young people pushing back around that table. We're reaching their generation. That's what we're trying to do, right? You know why he chooses young people so often? Because they, they don't believe that it can't be done. They're not like those people who've tried a lot and it didn't work. They say, you know what, I believe God can do it, and they'll step up and they will go. He chose Mary when she was a teenage girl to give birth to the Son of God, Jesus Christ. He chose David to throw the stone at the giant when he was 15 or so. Don't tell me young people can't do it. Young people have zeal and excitement, and when God gets a hold of their hearts, they have faith. And so we want young people to rise up around here and have their place and help us as we go forward. And in some cases, they will lead as they slay the giants, and we will rejoice. Wherever God calls you, whatever he calls you to do, he will back you. Now, here's here's the provision. It has to be in the will of God for the glory of God, right? So it's not just any dream, it's his dream that he puts in us. In the will of God for the glory of God. But it's quite common that he would drop something in believers' hearts. As a matter of fact, if you haven't already, you will have a dream dropped in your heart in your lifetime that comes from Jesus. A dream that involves helping others, blessing others, and, 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 and making things better for the kingdom of God. And remember this, when he calls you, he will back you. I think it's cool that in this story they brought the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant, you know, they kept the Ten Commandments and Aaron's rod and other things in there. And It was a sign of the presence of the Lord. Wherever you see the Ark of the Covenant in the Bible, it means that the presence of the Lord is going. And uh, these people didn't go on their own. The reason they had victory is God had called them and the presence of God was going with them and that's what the ark signified. And he'll back you not only with all the provision of material things and money and facilities, that he'll back you in that, but more importantly, he'll back you with his presence, which makes the gospel believable, which opens doors that no man can open, only God can do. And remember this, where God guides, God provides. Write that one down. Where God guides, God provides. But we must believe it before we see it. We must exercise faith before it happens. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So believe in a seeing, right? We believe, we have faith, and we have hope, and then God brings it about. Hebrews 11.30, by faith, here we are in the New Testament, hundreds of years later, they're talking about Jericho, the story we're reading about, and it says in Hebrews, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. So there was faith followed by action. That's the, the way it always is. 2 Corinthians 5.7, we live by faith, not by sight. So you see a wall. Now, I, every now and then I talk to dreamers. And the reason is, I'm a dreamer, right? And I just believe. I know if God can use, I mean this sincerely, a dummy like me, he can use anybody. And so if you open your heart and you say, God, pour your spirit in, pour your dream into me and help me. I know he will. I just know he will. And he'll give you something. And some of you already have, you're you're nurturing the seed of that dream. But it hasn't happened. And there are walls, more than one. There might be four, just like this city. Maybe the wall is, I have no idea how the money's going to come in. I would need people who are organized and administrative to help me. I, I, I'm not an organizer. I can't do it. Well, if it took an organizer, I wouldn't have ever made it, I'll tell you that. It's not my best thing. I'm a visionary. I'm a communicator. I'm an action guy. But I need those organized administrative people around me to make it happen or to hold me up a little bit sometimes. Because we're looking for God's timing, right? Whatever that obstacle is to you, listen. Let me tell you the answer. If, if, if it's faith, here's my definition of faith. Get going in the direction God's pointing, and it, this is what faith is. Right foot, right foot. Right foot I meant stage right on that one. Left foot, right foot, left foot. God uses a guy who doesn't know his right from his left. He can use anyone. (laughs) We live by faith, not by sight. Believe. If it's God's dream, believe and keep moving and you will see it. But don't just move for the sake of movement. Circle your need in prayer. Circle that dream in prayer. Joshua 6, verse 3. These were the instruction of a... Instructions from the Lord. March around the city. Once with all the armed men, do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast in the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout. Now, God gives a very specific plan, but I'm pretty sure if you and I are hearing this plan just like they are, it doesn't look like a winning plan. Honestly. Right? We know the story now. There was no story. They were becoming the story. So we're going to circle and we're going to blow a horn and we're going to shout, and? No, no, that's it. Just be obedient to what I tell you. Then the wall of the city will collapse. That's what will happen. And the people will go up every man straight in. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord Have seven priests carry the trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the people, advance, march. At some point, you gotta go. It's not faith if you're not going. It's not faith if you're just thinking it. You've heard me say it over and over again. Five frogs are sitting on a log. Four decide to jump. How many are left? Five. Because deciding to jump and actually jumping are two different things. At some point, you have to jump. You have to go when you can't see it. That's the hard part. You can't see it. Now, some of you, I feel like the Lord is speaking to me about this. It's prophetic right now. Some of you have gone and you haven't seen the Lord's provision most recently. But he wants you to know that he's not lagging behind. It's just a matter of his timing. That he's bringing people in. He's building people up. He's preparing things for just the right time. Don't grow weary. I just feel like the Lord wanted someone to know that. Verse 8, When Joshua had spoken to the people, seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward blowing their trumpets, and the Ark of the Lord's Covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets. This crazy plan, they're doing it to the T. It's this crazy plan that makes no sense. They are doing it to the T. The rear guard followed uh, the Ark. All the time the trumpets were sounding, but Joshua commanded the people, do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout. Then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the people returned to the camp, spent the night there. Verse 12, Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them, and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord. I believe it's being so specific because it's showing you they did exactly what the Lord asked them to do. While the trumpets kept sounding, verse 14, so on the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp, they did this for six days. So it's eight acres. We know that because the archaeological dig found the city of Jericho. They found the walls collapsed, by the way. Science doesn't want to bring those things forward too much. Absolutely true. Wherever you look at the Old Testament, if they'll go there and search, they find that that the actuality of the cities and the things that happen, uh, they can find relics of it with archaeology. And they found the city. It's eight acres around it. So it's not, not as big as you'd think. But it's totally fortified. And there's hundreds of thousands of these children of Israel that are marching. So they're probably they're probably marching around it once and then there's a long line where they're all going through it must have taken some time. So they take this crazy sounding plan to march once around for six days and not to talk. And then on the seventh day to blow the trumpets and shout. God delights in using people and plans that seem foolish to the world. Say that again. God delights in using people and plans that seem foolish to the world. That is not a good business plan. That is not a good strategic war plan for battle. Unless it's spiritual warfare and you're listening to God and then it's perfect. I think he does things like this because he wants to show people it's not... He wants those who are watching even this facility rise up through the years. Why does he use people who don't even know about permits? Pastor John and I, and Ellen was a big part of that, Ellen Johnson, where we were going and praying and had you praying, and we're going to the city, and they're telling us, I mean, they told me the first time I asked them at the county, I said, can we build a site for, for, a, for a large church and a, and a large Christian school on 40-acre campus in Washington County? And he said, well, the answer is yes and no. Yes, you can. But no, it would be impossible because that would have to be in the urban growth boundary. And urban growth boundary uh, property is way too expensive. Not even God, this is what he told me, not even God or the Pope could help you get that much land in the urban growth boundary. And I said, Oh, you shouldn't have said that. (laughs) I really did. Pastor John was there. I said, God's going to show you he's big enough to do it now. That same guy, five years later, signed on the dotted line for us. He's a Presbyterian brother. He's just being honest. In in the natural, it couldn't happen, but he was happy when he signed because it had happened. And here we are. He used me. I know nothing. I mean, I remember the, the mayor saying to me, you know, that's not possible for you to do that. The mayor that was here a couple weeks ago. I said, well, that's what I hear, but we're just feeling that the Lord's telling us. Then later he shook my hand he said, I'm not going to doubt you anymore. And I said, no, no, you can doubt me, that's fine. But don't doubt my God, you know, that he's he's great and he's powerful. If it's his will for his glory, things happen. I mean, think of the silly things. Joshua and trumpets marching, that's how we win? David and a sling, really? You're going to send a teenager to kill the greatest warrior that walked the earth? Gideon and a few torches that scare people and they start killing each other? That's how you're going to do it? The truth is, you know, I, 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 I always hear this. God plus one is the majority. Not true. God is the majority. He doesn't even need one. <laughs> he just does what he wants to do. But he loves, he delights in using us for his glory and he will use your life. Some people were weak, to other people were foolish, but if we're following the plans of the Lord, great things happen. So, why were they not allowed to talk when they walked those first six days? Interesting. I think if you're walking around in the hot sun, you're doing it for about the third or fourth day in a row, you're probably going to go, Really? This is the plan? This is dumb. And murmuring could start. That's not going to work. Did you know in the Bible, Wherever God was leading his, his, his uh, servants, the servant leaders, like Joshua in this case, if there was criticism that came against them and the people hindered it, the work of God was either slowed or stopped. God works through leaders. He just does. And if you're leading something, you know what I'm talking about. If you're leading a ministry, because he'll speak to you uniquely in a way he doesn't speak to others. He will speak things from others. He will confirm things. He will show the whole, because leaders have a responsibility to lead in such a way where everybody has a chance to get on board with their own heart, right? Nothing forced. Nothing forced. Along the way here, I did not do this journey all by myself. We had elders and pastors and people praying, and we had confirmation, and I had encouragement to go as we went, and the Lord did great things. But He speaks through leaders. He will bring something through leaders, and they would have criticized their leaders most likely if they hadn't kept their mouths shut. So God said, don't talk when you walk around there. Perhaps when you're not talking, you start thinking, and that thinking turns to prayer. Prayer. I'll bet you there was more prayer going on because there was less talking happening where they were just even talking to a buddy. To their credit, let's give it to them. The children of Israel weren't always obedient. They were obedient to the T here. And God blessed them. They trusted him. They They trusted that they'd heard from God through their leaders. In 2 Chronicles 16, 9, I love this verse. It says this. I think God had you in mind with this. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. God is looking around the earth for some people that would believe him to do some great things through their lives. And if they'll walk with the heart that's toward him, and I might add purity, that's a sermon for another day, but you don't have purity, you have problems in leadership and an organization and a ministry. When he finds those people with the right heart who love him, he comes to them to strongly support them to do his work. That's you. That's me. That's us. He didn't say the brightest, the most gifted. He said the ones whose hearts are strongly towards him, whose hearts are towards him he will strongly support. He wants to show his glory to this earth. He wants to touch this world. He searches the earth looking for hearts that will say, yes, I'm in. Please use me for your plans. And then he strongly supports those people there with the work that he places in their heart. We circled some things in prayer here this past year recently. Actually, we started in 2012. I was... Experiencing something that was unusual to me, it happened probably three years before it showed up here. I would drive by Twalton Elementary School and I, would, and I would have this impression that we were supposed to do something there. I didn't even know we were doing class release time there at the time, but we were. There's some ladies in this church were, I should say. And, and, but I would, I would think, why, am I, why is my heart drawn to this school? And I started to pray for the school every time I'd go by. And then I started to say to the Lord, Lord, are you saying something? I even said to my wife, I don't know why, but when we drive by this place, I feel like we're supposed to be here someday. We made an endeavor to go in two years ago and to help, and it was rebuffed. They said, no, no, thank you. And I understand with the separation of church and state, but I also understand that we can go on that campus without lifting up Jesus, and he can be seen everywhere. I mean, verbally, you know, sometimes people would rather see a sermon than hear one any day, the loss, remember that one. And and we can just show a sermon rather than speak. And the Spirit of God can still show up. Well, unbelievably, I had spoken to some of our staff and said, hey, if you ever get a chance to minister there, do it, because we'd love to be there. I heard about it. The next thing I heard, the high school had a service day at Tualatin Elementary. I didn't set it up. The Lord was just doing it. But I was very excited because the things had been going on in my heart. Over 100 of them, I think 120 or so, with some leaders from the church, Pastor Alex. The kids went over and they did, they did um, recess, they did reading, reading mentoring, they hung out with the kids. Um, we, we built tables for them, redid the teacher's area where they'd have a break and built new tables and spent, I think, over $6,000 in materials just to take care of them, and it was a smashing success the word we got back is they absolutely loved it and unbelievably because we went, now remember, we had been praying, I had been praying, but not only me, we had decided that we wanted to reach out to our community in a greater way. So we asked people to pray, pray with us that we could discover what the Lord would have us to do in this area and then he started making a way for things to happen there. It's not the only place we're gonna go, it's just definitely a place that he was sending us. We're following his will, right? We're not telling him where to go, we're going where he tells us to go. And he led us there, and look what has happened in this past year because we circled in prayer and then we took steps of faith. When they said, would you adopt us? We said, yes, we will. They put, before Holly and Pastor Roger, uh, the leaders that are leading us in this area, they, they put a list of things that was a mile long and said, could you do any of these? And they said, we'll do them all. And all of them had money attached to them, and, and here's what's happened in the past year at Twalton Elementary School. They had a back-to-school barbecue this year that Horizon put together for them, 500 people from the school came on August 29th. The school said it's the best event they've ever had to draw families together to know each other. And our church led it and we didn't even say look we did this. We just blessed them with the food and the cooking and some people here who are amazing people blessed them. Then the launch of community care, look it on the screen with this, at Horizon happened on August I'm sorry, October 6, 2013, 129 of you signed up to help with the ministry in the community. Many of you at Tualatin Elementary School ministering now. Backpack Buddies launched on November 8, 2013, and there are now 10 people serving each month at Tualatin Elementary School filling backpacks. Tualatin Elementary, though it's a beautiful school in a fairly wealthy city, is around uh, a lot of apartment dwellers, and as a result, uh, th- those families from those areas, uh, there are more Title I kids in Tualatin Elementary, that means get assisted lunch program and in poverty level, than any other school in the state, right here in Tualatin. And what we do is we fill the backpacks with food every week, and we send it home with families where they can have food for the weekend and supplement them for the week. To the poorest families. To helps us, elementary helps us identify them and we send food to them. Is this awesome? They brought us in and they said, would you do this for us? And we said, would we? We'd love it. We have recess buddies that are there. Twelve Horizon Christian High School students are going regularly during class twice a month with kindergarten students. Ten volunteers from Horizon Community Church serving every Tuesday with 1st to 5th graders. We built them emergency shed that they couldn't get done because they had a lack of funds and, and, and we, they, they wanted the, the shelves done and uh, they wanted the supplies in there for incident command and, and you know in case they have emergency, they weren't quite ready. We just did it for them because they asked. Then we started putting together these pounds of love bags where we're giving food to our whole community. Some of you did that. I'll show you how you did it. We get 2,000 bags Let me skip to Pounds of Love, the next one down, uh, and Toy Boxes. We took care of 100 families, all identified by Tualatin Elementary, 100 families with food and presents and gifts who were the poorest among them and among us. You did that. I love you. I think Jesus loves you for doing this, for these families. We eventually were asked by one of the leaders if we'd serve a family that had lost a husband. Dad died. And we had people go in and clean and we brought them meals and the school, the public school asked us if we would do it. And then we gave her some funds to move to another city to be with family. There's shine classes going on to help women in the community who need to be encouraged and young men as well. On November 2nd, 22 people attended a training session for Twalton Elementary volunteers for backpack buddies and recess buddies. 73 people served during the pounds of love, as we put the food together and and the presents together, you brought 6,573.9 pounds of food that was collected to help our community and the poor. This just happened among us. I'm celebrating what the Lord has done. 5,497 items were collected. 82 families were served with food and gifts. 200 gifts given, 256 gift items, 500 pounds of food to Twalton Elementary School for Backpack Buddy program. That was all birthed out of prayer and asking God to show us his plan. We circled that. We circled it for a year. We prayed. Then we planned for a year. It felt slow, but we hit just at the right time. When God said go and he gave us the opportunity, we went and look what the Lord has done. I love that we love our community. I love that our private school is going to a public school with the love of Jesus. I love it. Joshua, these people, they circled, they obeyed, they acted, and the Lord did it for them. So whatever your need is, whatever your dream is, circle it. Pray continually. Colossians 4.2, devote yourselves to prayer. 1 Peter 4.7 seven. The end of the world is coming. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. There's another place in the Bible that says, Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Prayer is a discipline. Finding the time to get away, to be with Him in that prayer closet, putting these things before Him. Now, I got this term from a business book, but I really like it. So I'm just going to kind of segue it in here. What is your big, audacious, hairy dream? More importantly... What is your big, audacious, hairy dream for God that he put in your heart? There's some walls, and they seem insurmountable at times when it comes to that dream. We look at the circumstances surrounding and say, how can this happen? If we're not careful, we can shrink back. We can let go. We can lay it down with the thought, perhaps I'd be happier and less disappointed. I want it to happen now. I'm a person that wants it to happen now. And I found out over 20 years as a pastor here, it doesn't happen now. It's right foot, left foot. If you can figure out which one they are. Right foot, left foot. Don't let those walls speak discouragement to you. You speak to the walls about your God. You say, hey, this this isn't my dream. This is God's dream in me. That's why you can't kill it, because I didn't didn't make it up. (laughs) It was given to me. People say, well, you know, watch out for personal aspiration. Listen, for you, I'm telling you, don't worry about that, because here's how it works. He will speak to you to use you, so it's personal. Motive of the heart is important, but if it's the will of God, for the glory of God, Don't worry about those critical voices that you might have heard saying, you don't have what it takes. Michael Jordan cut as a sophomore from his basketball team. Mm -hmm. Thomas Edison sent home with a sign pinned on him from a teacher, too stupid to learn. People just say stuff. Can we, can we be the, don't be the person that criticizes someone's dream, all right, because you will show up in the story you will become part of the story, and it's not the right part of the story. (laughs) Be the encourager of dreams. I've heard some dreams from young people that were so wild, I just wanted to say, well, maybe I ought to bring that down to reality a little bit, you know? (laughs) But I resist. Say, well, if God's in it, that'll happen. And then I pray for them. Say, go get them. Perhaps God's leading them there, but they'll be readjusted. But we don't have to squelch dreams in people's hearts and minds. Keep faith, keep circling, keep trusting. At just the right time, God will knock those intimidating walls down. It'll be wide open, and you will rush in and win. Third thought, and I'm kind of already on it it's always too soon to quit. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak. They marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priests sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Skip down to verse 20. When the trumpet sounded, the people shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the people gave a loud shout, the walls collapsed. So every man charged straight in, and they took the city. To some of these people, it may have seemed like a waste of time to walk seven days around that city. I mean, after all, come on, God God can just do it right now, right? Yes, He can, but He rarely just jumps you right to the end of the dream. There's some things He wants to do in your heart, some places He wants to take you, so He can make sure that you can manage without self-input too much and let Him lead you. He wants to make sure if he's putting you in charge of people that he can trust you. So he'll let the heavy stay on you for a while to see if you'll trust him in the hard times. He'll let the burden come, and it's from him, to see if you'll wield it for him faithfully. And then he'll say, my son, my daughter, you get a promotion. And then he'll release you to do things that you couldn't believe would happen, and they couldn't happen with you, but they'll happen because he's doing it. One of the biggest dream killers is impatience. To move off the plan of God that he's given that seems slower than we want or to interject our own will in our own ways without following. And it was one of Israel's biggest sins. They did well here, but we know that they they had all kinds of problems where they wouldn't obey along the way. And they always got in trouble. Not unlike us, when we follow, it goes well. When we don't, it doesn't go so well. We're our own worst enemy sometimes. But with faith and patience, God's people inherit what He had promised. They did what He said. They had the patience to march. They had the patience to go seven times. And that faith and patience paid off. And we need faith for our dream, but we need patience too for His timing. Mark Batterson said in Draw the Circle, here's a direct quote, You've got to praise God if the answer is yes and trust Him if the answer is no. If the answer is not yet, you've got to keep circling. It's always too soon to give up. What other option do you have? To pray or not to pray? These are the only options. The children of Israel didn't get lazy. They walked seven times around on the seventh day. They did just as the Lord said. The trumpets blew, the people shouted, and the walls came down, and victory ensued. God's plan always works in God's perfect timing. If we'll just pray, be patient, follow with obedience, He does it. Hebrews 6.12 says, We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. So how do we inherit it? Through faith and patience. I want to read this story from the Draw the Circle book that we're going through. And, and listen, if you haven't gone through Draw the Circle and you're hearing about it, you go, man, I wish I'd have done that. Grab the book and go through it the next 40 days. Karen and I did it last summer. We're, we're doing it again. There's so much scripture, so much faith in there. You're hearing a lot of it. I'm just kind of bringing it in here, right? Even some readings out of there. Grab, grab it. You can, you can get a Kindle copy uh, uh, for, for eight bucks. But this is a story directly from there about faith and patience. Mark Batterson. By the way, Mark is a friend. Uh, I'm not name-dropping. I was talking to Billy Graham about that the other day, and we both hate it. Um, (laughs) But Mark, I've used that joke a hundred times, but I love it. Uh, I I was with Mark and met this guy, Tony, that he's talking about several years ago. He's a man of God. By, By the way, don't buy into the thought that there's no godliness in government in America. They're all over the place in D.C. There are people who love Jesus with all their hearts doing God work there. They're senators. They're congressmen and women. They're they're there. And they're circling, and you'll hear it in this story. Mark says, I have a friend who moved to Washington, D.C. in 1994 to fight for a noble cause on Capitol Hill. Tony was deeply concerned that innocent children were being introduced to pornography simply because adult channels were one click away from cartoon channels. So he authored legislation that would force the cable industry to fully scramble pornography channels. We know now that that's happened. It happened because of Tony in this story. God used him. As Tony prepared to visit all 435 offices and 100 Senate offices. Now, okay, faith and patience. He visited and spoke to personally all 435 congressmen and women's offices and all 100 Senate, Senate offices. That's a lot of time involved to... to to share the thing God put on your heart. He decided to circle the Capitol in prayer seven times. This is a radical believer, man. He even let out a Jericho shout after the seventh circle around the Capitol building. Tony knew he couldn't win this fight without prayer. He also knew that prayer is the difference. Write this one down. This is awesome. Prayer is the difference between us fighting for God and God fighting for us. Prayer is the difference between us fighting for God and God fighting for us. Hey, I appreciate courage. I appreciate passion for Jesus. But without prayer, you don't get it working in the right direction, and, and, and you may be overworking with your human abilities. He's the one that makes things happen, and that's what, why prayer is so important. After praying seven circles, Tony started knocking on doors and asking for an audience with every member of Congress. Some of the offices applauded his effort, but Tony was repeatedly told his efforts were too little and too late because the telecommunications bill he was trying to amend had already gone into markup. Tony was told that there was no way the chairman of the congressional committee would reopen the bill to include his amendment because he'd have to reopen it to everybody else's amendments, which would take forever, and they never do that. Once they got it marked up. Tony walked out of the 220th, so, so you know, he's got 435, he's at 220 in the Congress. He walked out of that office depressed and defeated. He was ready to throw in the towel and give up the fight when he had a burning bush moment. And these are Tony's words now inserted in the book. Tony, the congressman, said, I was on the second floor of the Longworth building. I went over to a window and sat on its cold marble sill and hung my head in defeat. I said to myself, stop wasting your time and go home to San Diego. Anybody recognize that that was exactly what the enemy told Mother Teresa last week when I spoke? go home. Go back to the convent. I think we think it's our voice sometimes when it's the enemy's, right? He can whisper. He can't make us take thoughts, but he can whisper into our ears. He did it to Jesus. How did Jesus answer him with Scripture? And and we can't let that voice stop us. Stop wasting your time and go home to San Diego. Never before, Tony says, and never since has God spoken to me so clearly. While I sat there looking down at the marble tiled floor. Totally dejected, these words were spoken to me as clear as a bell. Who is doing this, you or me? Because if it's him, it would be his way, his timing, right? Who's doing this, you or me? Tony said, I can't explain how I felt in that moment when I heard those words, but I straightened up and responded, you are, Lord. And instantly I was filled with more excitement than when I had first begun. At each of the next 215 offices, this is just said in passing, but man, you're going in, this is a lot of work. My presentations were given with renewed faith. Tony made his last presentation at the Cannon Congressional Building. His amendment still seemed like a lost cause, but it's not over till God says it's over. This is Batterson speaking. If your cause is ordained by God, then the battle belongs to the Lord. It's his victory to win, not yours. This is Tony now in a quote. He said, I'm not exaggerating when I tell you this. As my legs crossed the threshold, as I exited the 435th office, that's the last one, my pager went off. Tells you this was a few years ago, but his pager went off. Right when he crosses the threshold, right when he's done with the task that the Lord's given him, this long journey, faith, perseverance, and belief, the moment that he crossed that threshold, his pager went off, and it was Chairman Dingle, who had just agreed to allow that amendment to be added to his telecommunications bill, and we all know that it happened now. Because one guy got something from the Lord in his heart, got wind in his sails from the Spirit, he prayed, he acted, and God did it. Mark says about this story, sometimes God shows up, sometimes God shows off. God's timing is impeccable, isn't it? He's never late. He's never early. He's right on time. Mark says, I don't believe in coincidences. I believe in providence. So as I close this today, I I just want to, I just feel like I need to say this. Um, We're not done at horizon. We're we're not just going to coast and call it good from here. There's work to do. The kingdom of God is going to go forward in a great way, and he's going to work through us here. I'll just tell you quickly that in the coming months, you're going to hear how we're going to spread out over this southwest region of Portland. There'll be more coming. You're going to hear how God's going to use us. He's been speaking to our hearts, and we'll bring it before you. But when it comes to your own dreams, I want you to know that God's told me that some of you are going to be raised up and go out of here, and we'll be home for you, but you won't be going to church here because he'll send you out to do great and amazing things across this world. I just believe he's spoken that to me. I believe that it's about the kingdom, not about the. It's about the church with the big C, not the little C. We're the little C, Horizon Community. There's a big C. It's all across this world. It's His kingdom. And He'll send some out. Would you, in your small groups this week, would you circle the church and its vision and prayer? I'm just going to ask you to do that. Would you? If you forget, don't feel bad. I so appreciate that you're circling my family. Man, we need it. It brought me to tears. But I want God's kingdom to be built here. I want to break through so his spirit breaks through in this community. I want to see greater things for God. I want to hand off to young people that have amazing hearts and see them get it done. We have a lot of work to do and God's going to use us in the future. Philippians 3.13 says this, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward. There's the word for you today, press on. Press on. Press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has given me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You have a dream that you placed in your heart? Press on.